Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod and our seventh after show for Andor Episode 7. This one's called Announcement. Actually, this isn't the seventh after show because we uh, the, we got the three episode drop right away. Man, this show is going quick. Uh, we got Kirk and Blake, our co-host, in the Escape Pod today. And we're going to be chatting and breaking down everything that happened in this, everything we noticed, everything we liked and uh, criticized and whatever else. Let's get into it. landing. Star Wars Escape Pod is the Republic's choice of podcast anywhere in the galaxy. Leave a stellar review on TuneIn each week for more. Let's do this, shall we? Welcome back to the show, Blake. Hey, thank you, thank you. Good to be back. Hey, I didn't know that you were able to get some of the cast from uh, Lucas Animation to do a little plug for us. That's cool. <laughs> Admiral Yularn is, uh, has just joined. Yeah, he's joined us today uh, and also infamously makes his return to the Star Wars universe in this most recent episode of Andor. If any of you yeah, caught that I Easter egg. that was him. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was him there. That was super cool. Because I really remember cool. us talking to Bryce, and Bryce was like, oh, yeah, he becomes like the head of the ISB. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, that's probably him. That's him. <laughs> uh, with us today is uh, our friend Kirk. Welcome back to the show, Kirk. Hello there. It is very good to be back for another episode. And I can't believe we're uh, well past halfway. Oh man, it's uh, it's it's going quick. I mean, with the first three dropping in one go, uh, next week we have Tales of the Jedi dropping all in one day. That's uh, six episodes uh, in one Wednesday. We're gonna have six episodes. They all have a runtime of between ten minutes and seventeen minutes. So they're classified as shorts. Uh, three of them will tell an origin story for Count Dooku, and three will tell a uh, kind of like a jump through time of Ahsoka's life, starting with the first one being with her as an infant, the second one being during the Clone Wars, and then the third one taking place after the Purge. So uh, I'm really looking forward to I know I know you guys are both looking forward to that as well, but uh, I don't know how we're going to do these after shows. We're going to have to break down maybe one arc at a time. We'll kind of spread it out and uh, release it as time goes by. But uh, to have one Star Wars show overlapping with another, I mean, I don't think this has happened before. I mean, they've 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 tended to spread it out a little bit more, but uh, yeah, it just feels like it's all coming so quickly. I mean, we've got Bad Batch and then Mandalorian season three after that. It's uh, it's going to be good. <laughs> yeah, they just uh, so much going on now. They had no choice but to start overlapping. I mean, the same thing with Marvel, right? It's not exactly what happened. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the Marvel shows. Uh, what we, we've had we've had overlapping Marvel shows. I think maybe once. I can't think of which ones did. I mean, we get so many of those every year that. Yeah, um, <laughs> I gave up on them. There's so many I couldn't keep up. <laughs> yeah, I'm so, I'm so keen because like it means that it the shows early next year, like Mandalorian, they're gonna come so much quicker, so it won't feel like we're 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 missing out. So uh, yeah, there's gonna be just so much stuff to watch. Oh yeah, I mean, and uh, not to uh, not to put down any Marvel fans out there because I I do love all the Marvel stuff, but uh, yeah, recently, I mean. The quality hasn't exactly kept up with what us Star Wars fans are, have been getting on Disney Plus. So, uh, you know, I feel well, for all if, the Marvel fans. But <laughs> if we if they start to mass produce shows, will quality remain as high as it has? Yeah, I just I don't know what question, it is, man. Because right? they all look great. It's just I, there's something about maybe the stories are just not as interesting to me as some of the films have been mm. in the past. But yeah, it's just been the last year or two. It's it's you know it hasn't really none of them have really struck my interest as, as much as right. some of the films have in the past. So, and yeah. admittedly, I've what, cause I watched shield when it first came out, like the first one and it left a really bad taste in my mouth. So I've always had really low expectations for Marvel shows since then. So <laughs> <laughs> shield, yeah, so shield was, experience. uh, shield was done under the old, uh, pre Kevin Feige Marvel TV oh, studios. Okay. Yeah. And then after the Netflix stuff went down, uh, they combined Marvel TV with Marvel Studios. So so all of the Disney Plus shows are starting with, I think it was WandaVision, are the official MCU canon. Everything else technically oh, pretty, isn't. that's pretty recent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's S.H.I.E.L.D. Not, it's not canon? So S.H.I.E.L.D. is no, not canon? No, S.H.I.E.L.D.'s not canon. Uh, the, the Netflix Daredevil okay. show, all Luke Cage, none of that's MCU canon. It's all kind of like oh, what about, other universe. Um, Oh right, yeah. that sucks. Because there's some, there was some stuff I liked. Like Daredevil was good. Yeah, Daredevil I really was awesome. Liked, I really liked uh, the Punisher. Yeah, Punisher was great too. I mean, here's the thing though is about those characters. Those actors are coming back. Like they're def they're reprising their roles in the MCU, but they're kind of acknowledging the fact that the events in those shows didn't happen. So, but, they they're, but they're not canon. That's so no. weird. Yeah, it's too. Well, bad. What they should do is every one of those shows. They should start with the character like waking up, like everything was a dream. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny is as time has gone by, um, Marvel has had the opposite problem that Star Wars had up until recently. So, I mean, previously, Star Wars fans before the Disney era. Star Wars, us Star Wars fans had the expanded universe. So we had the films, all the stuff done by George, you know, the Clone Wars and authors and, and game writers and everything else. They all just kind of made their stories based around these pillar stories that Lucas would make. Right. And then we had this very fractured universe where sometimes there would be loopholes and things that didn't make sense or line up with other events or whatever. And you had a lot of people a lot kind of, of weird things. Yeah, there's a lot of weird things in there. And it's so like some stories or didn't shield really. Or bubble lizards. Yeah, yeah. You, the Yuzan Vong, <laughs> I mean, you like them or hate them, they're, they're a thing, right? And and uh, now we don't really get that anymore. Now we get a very, a much more cohesive kind of timeline. And uh, it, it's a little easier to keep track of things. Marvel kind of used to be like that before the MCU came into play. Then the MCU came into play. And then they started doing offshoot things like agents of shield and then the netflix shows and it's like oh they all kind of tie back to avengers but where do these fit in now that we're getting more films and then marvel studios kind of just comes in with a chopping block and goes no you know what we're just going to reset the tv stuff start from scratch mm -hmm. here on forward and now it's just like this multi-phase kind of 
oh well it was canon sort of and now it's not again and it just gets so confusing <laughs> yeah. people hate that they hate when you have to start figuring out what's what yeah, like, yeah that was always one of the worst things about the old the old system for star wars with like the g level canon versus the the tv canon and then you know just like trickles down novels comics yeah exactly. yeah it's so hard to keep track of everything because like i haven't watched a couple of the recent marvel shows and i'm afraid that next time i go into the theater there's going to be tons of references to these mm. these shows and like single episodes that i need but then there's going to be a line that i that i miss so right i don't know like i think i read so- I, I looked somewhere that there's been more content in these tv shows in whatever phase we're up to compared to like the three previous phases combined or, or something like that. And Kevin is still only one guy. So he has to be delegating some of the responsibility off to people. Right. But there's, yeah, I think that's just the problem when you, when you have so much stuff coming out yeah. all at once. Oh yeah. And you have and so how, many how different you, creative teams too. And how do you keep an eye on all of it to make sure that quality control is high enough? Right. So like, yeah. they did a really good job with the Marvel movies up to like Endgame. Mm-hmm. Um, and Star Wars so far has been really good, but with the amount of stuff going on, like because I feel like a, the person who holds all the good story points together is is Dave, and to some point, a John Favreau as well. But as it gets more broad, they're not going to be able to be as hands on with stuff. I think that may have been an effect. Some of the negative stuff with say Boba Fett that might be kind of like the first time where we saw that start to take place. Mm-hmm. You know? Because there, there was definitely some stuff in there that was, I wasn't too keen on, and it seemed to be the common opinion. Right, yeah, because I guess that was the first time that we had uh, someone like John who put together something that we all really loved, and then he was just acting as a producer, you know, or an executive producer, and handed off that character to somebody else, a different creative team, and then you kind of get that offshoot vibe where it's like, oh, it's clearly different. Like someone else is now literally running the show. And it's like, you know, it, 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 it's some people love it and other people will, will, will have things to say about it. And um, I'm really just really thankful that like all of us have had like, you know, very positive things so far to say about Andor, you know, uh, just whether it's people at work or, or, you know, just friends in general. It's like, yeah, Andor is great. You know, it has a bit of a, a bit of a slow kind of build up start. But once it gets going, it's like. Yeah, I mean, even the non-Star Wars fans would probably like this show. So, um, you know, I'm definitely glad for that. Tony Gilroy, man, it's a, he's a he's a he's a good he's a good movie maker. <laughs> yeah, it's great, and I love also as well that you don't really need to know too much about the extended Star Wars universe to understand what's going on in Andor. Right. Like, uh, I don't think maybe maybe Mando and and Boba Fett are a little bit similar, but I, I feel like uh, uh, Andor is as most disconnected to iconic Star Wars mm-hmm. moments per se. So it's a bit easier for the casual viewer to watch. But then again, that begs the question, you know, would a regular non-avid fan be watching this show in the first place, I guess? Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, uh, you know, compared to all the other shows, it's got the least amount of connectivity with the animated series. It's got the least amount of um, connective tissue to any of the films um and uh i mean really i mean with what we're seeing with all the flashbacks it's kind of inferring anything you do need to know in in Mm -hmm. relation to the story whereas 
uh, Mandalorian, I mean, like it has, it definitely has a little more ties to that. I think just naturally because Dave Filoni is the guy behind it, you know, he's got this history with all the animated shows. So you get things like the dark saber and, um, you know, and Ahsoka will, that Ahsoka show is going to be basically Rebels season five. I mean, we're getting, you know, yeah. uh, with, that's what, what it seems like. Yeah. I mean, they, they had some, uh, some screenshots that they reveal that, uh, uh, at one of the recent conventions, and uh, we had uh, a, um, a shot that's uh, a, a live action Sabine Wren standing in front of that uh, artist, um, that yeah. painting or something like that, which which had uh, the Rebels family on it. It's the exact same as in the animated series. And I thought that was really, really the, cool. The mural? Yeah, the, the mural. mural. Yes. Yeah, the yeah, mural. Yeah. yeah, that's that's straight out of the animated show, like literally copy paste same artwork and everything it's amazing but i'm so excited for that that yeah that's gonna be so good and like and not from what i was saying before about you know the connections with andor like i am this is we're seven episodes in with andor now and i'm loving it just as much as i am the uh, the other shows as well despite like the lack of like direct like uh oh for name sure drops yeah. and, and everything yeah. too so yeah find, they both yeah know, maybe it's me but i find that a little bit refreshing makes it mm. yeah it better. is yeah yeah it makes it different right because like you know i i definitely love when they connect it up with other things but but this is it, it's just a nice take on star wars that's new and fresh and not in a bad way because we've yeah, seen yeah. new and fresh and perhaps not in a great way <laughs> and uh <laughs> Yeah, and it's pretty honestly, divisive. I, I'm still <laughs> yeah. holding out that the next five episodes, at some point, Ahsoka is going to show up. I think I'm, I, that's my prediction. You think? So. Oh, yeah, because she's the one yeah. that ties all the rebel cells together, as we learn mm, in the Rebels. fulcrum. Yeah, yeah. That's I guess right. we're, we're going to have to wait and see. She is the fulcrum that holds that. She is together. the fulcrum. <laughs> uh, so let's uh, let's kick things off with episode seven here. This episode's called Announcement, and I feel like the names of all these episodes uh, have something to do with a line that is said by a character in in the episode. That's kind of been a repeating pattern so far. I don't know if you guys noticed this yet, but um, the the intro whenever they show the Andor title card, we haven't really addressed this yet. But the theme song has ever so slightly changed every time we see it, and. Uh, oh. Yeah, oh. I've just noticed it's different almost every single time, and it's just slight adjustments. But yeah, I just I hadn't brought it up yet, and I just wanted to mention it because I think I feel like it's different ever since the first episode. It's kind of kind of morphed into a different tune, and I don't know if that's Is supposed it to be more heroic. Yeah, I don't I don't really know. I think by the end of the episode, like the la- we'll do a comparison. I think when the last episode comes out, we'll, we'll compare the first okay. one to the last one, just so I'm not right. going crazy, but I'm pretty sure that this is what's happening. I think as Andor's changing, so is the, the song to his, you know, it's going from tragic to a bit more upbeat, I guess. Um, yeah. Um, it's really interesting you say that. Cause this is the, I remember one of my earlier complaints was about like, I wasn't too keen on the soundtrack at all, but mm-hmm. when I was watching this and, and this episode is the first time I really noticed that the, the soundtrack and, and the intro, I don't know. That was just me. So maybe there was mm-hmm. something different about it, but yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Was, I was like, yeah, I like, I, I like this now, theme. Cause I've, I've been skipping over it. Like, oh, no. <laughs> it's hard to notice when you're just going week to week. Right. So I think, I think anyone who was, who would binge this show in a couple weeks will, 
we'll definitely kind of see the noticeable yes. changes, but unless I'm crazy, I'm, but I'm pretty sure I'm not, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not. I, I think I, I, this week was definitely the week that I'm like, no, I can't be crazy. Like I'm pretty sure it's different from a couple <laughs> weeks ago, but we'll see. Um, uh, Have you noticed though, where you skip the intro that like, you can skip the opening section, the, the, yeah. the review, then you can skip the intro, but then yeah. like when you skip the intro, it doesn't actually skip the intro for the show like it's like a right. second like like yeah. it's before the end or yeah it's, the you only intro. get to skip the lucasfilm star wars logos you don't get to yeah. skip the show title logo maybe, yeah maybe i haven't been skipping it then i just haven't been paying that close of attention so i hit yeah. i hit the skip intro or and then yeah. i hit the the right button on my controller three times and like that that's like 30 uh, seconds forward. and yeah. yeah and that jumps for but yeah i think um anyone who does skip that won't notice the the song changed, but I, I do actually, you know, on the second time round when I, cause I always watch these twice. Uh, I, I, I leave it playing and I, I've noticed that it, it sounds a little different. So, uh, I don't know again, maybe I'm crazy. Um, let's we kick things off in this episode with, uh, Cyril, uh, hanging out in his room, moping about, um, he's a, he's an Imperial fan. Uh, I don't know if you, did you guys catch, he's got some, some action figures on his, on his shelf, uh, little stormtroopers and, imperial officers just like posed on his shelf uh uh i thought I that was kind that, of fun but i noticed he had an imperial collar which we learned he got tailored onto his jacket <laughs> yeah yeah he had his collar uh yeah his mom comments it's on crazy. his tailor jacket and his yes, collars as it makes him look like a coward yeah well his collar's like raised up a bit right it's a bit more of a posh yeah. kind of vibe and um, I don't know, maybe he thinks of himself as like, he thinks highly of himself, I guess. Maybe it's just reflective in his character. I mean, right now he's, we're, we're seeing he's quite defeated, but uh, when he was in his job, he was very confident and like thought he was doing the right thing. And uh, yeah, I mean, really held himself superior to uh, in a, in a r respectable way. Like, he, you know, he was going after the person that killed his coworkers and thought he was doing the right thing. And um, yeah, I, I think he's, he's just kind of the, the perfect kind of Imperial person. And I think maybe we brought that up before, but, uh, I feel like this is all kind of paying off. I think we speculated a couple weeks ago that he would end up working at the ISB and I think now, now he is right. So it's, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. props to the, uh, the costume department, because that's the first time I've seen a shirted turtleneck almost in, yeah. in, in ever and uh yeah i, I found it really interesting uh, uh his mum's comments on like what it means um like in terms of like a society thing uh, i can't remember the exact comments that she made but i found that pretty fascinating mm -hmm. yeah um admiral Yularen uh makes his return to star wars in this in this episode and he's leading an isb meeting and uh, in this meeting, Dedra is present and uh, they're all kind of sitting around the table and it's discussed that a tribute tax of 5% will be held on systems harboring partisans or in other words, rebels, uh, which I thought that was very interesting because as we know from the Phantom Oops. Menace, nothing works out when a planet is uh, taxed uh, overly and, uh, you know, the taxation of trade routes and everything else that's when the wars begin right that's when uh, the fighting begins is when mm. people get angry and you know held uh they go up in arms in in uh in response to um something they don't like and 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 we're starting to see this this tight grip uh the empire responding mm. in a way that luthan predicts uh and he knows that they're going to respond this way which is like why 
you know, why, why poke the beast? Right. Um, but I think what, what he's trying to prove is, is really like why the empire needs to go. Right. Like, you know, they're, they're, they're oppressive and their responses to these things is even more oppressive. A six month, uh, sentence to jail becomes a six year sentence to jail. Right. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Insane. And like, I think what he's trying to do is he's trying to force them to like to tighten their grip and become Mm -hmm. very totalitarian. And that'll, that'll make people start to rise up because they're, they can't, they don't want to put up with anymore. Exactly. Yeah. If there's just like a, a light level of tyranny, people won't be bothered enough. They won't like it, but they won't be bothered enough to actually do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, we heard something else in this meeting called the P-O-R-D. Uh, it was the, uh, what was it called? The public, uh, public organized retaliation, something or another. <laughs> I'm totally, <Department. laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm totally forgetting now what this was, what this stands, uh, what this stands for. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't remember, but what I thought was uh, interesting from this part was um, I think uh, Lauren did the first Palpatine or at least the, the name drop for him. Um, yeah. Which, uh, which gets me wondering whether or not we'll see Palpatine later on in, in, in the show. I think it's really, it'd be really relevant if we did. And we more so saw him from a political standpoint, mm-hmm. um, he giving his viewpoint or giving someone orders or anything, because I feel as a result of this, uh, this attack on Aldani, that uh, everything in the rebellious activity has become aware or Palpatine has become aware of it. So, yeah, yeah, I, uh, I totally agree. It's uh, it, it almost, it almost feels like we need a little cameo kind of like in the Kenobi series where it just kind of gives some conclusion to this bigger picture. And um, yeah, it would be totally, it would be a perfect environment for him to have an appearance uh, leading a Senate meeting in which he kind of, discloses to the senators that um that this uh initiative is going down uh the Mm -hmm. p-o-r-d it's called the public order resentencing directive uh which is uh it's intended to crack down on rebellious activity and this is in response of course to the heist so because of this this heist is essentially acting as the catalyst that starts the rebellion like this, the open aired rebellion, because of course we've had these rebellious acts kind of prior to this show in lonesome little doses, right? Like Jedi Fallen Order, The Bad Batch, we've seen people fight against the Empire, but it's not, they're just irritations. There's nothing like proving a point that the Empire can bleed, right? No one's done that yet. So this episode is really- because the Empire is so big, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We probably don't even know how to do it. Exactly. Yeah. No, no one's no, no one knows how to do it. No one knows. No one knows quite the extent or the repercussions that it could bring if, if they did do anything. Right. And, and this announcement like this, this episode is really kind of proving to be the catalyst point um, in which, in which this rebellion kind of gets the actual ball rolling because through the episode, we get context from Mon Mothma that she, uh, she really, she's been networking, right? Like that's that's kind of what her and Bail Organa and Luthen have been doing this whole time. Is they've been networking a rebellion together, and uh, and you know, and of course Ahsoka's involved with that as well somewhere. 
Um, but it's, it's really just kind of bringing people together and just doing small little jobs here and there and kind of building a foundation. Um, but what really is kind of like the, the first act of open war against the empire, this is it. Like this is kind of the moment in which like the rebellion is coming out of the shadows. This is when we're starting to get this moment in which they're going to need a logo now, right? Like they're going to need some sort of something to, to show the empire, like who they are. Mon Mothma is still behind the scenes, but like, I'm, I'm kind of waiting for that point in which she's got to run, right? She's got to hide because throughout the original trilogy, like we haven't, we don't see her. Like she's kind of like non-existent until return of the Jedi. And then boom, she is, you know, there she is. But if it weren't for the prequels, we wouldn't really know she's a thing until that final film uh, of, of, yeah, the, of the Lucas had, series, right? I was always under the assumption that she was still part of the Senate the whole time, and they just didn't know. Well, the Senate was dissolved in episode four. Like in in, in A New right. Hope, they have that, yeah. you know, That's verbal right. saying like, oh, the emperor just dissolved the imperial Senate. So all those senators are out of a job. Um, so yeah, it's possible that maybe she's kind of been working behind the scenes in that first quarter of the movie and now she's out of a job and, you know, then whatever. But I think what would be a, a much more interesting approach to this, because we don't know what happens with her. She has made appearances in Rebels and she has been a little more open with like her involvement in that. And especially in Rogue One, when they go against Scarif, like she's at those meetings, she's organizing right. a lot of stuff. So I don't know. I don't know if it's... Yeah. Um, if it's something that they're going to do in this show or maybe in the next season, but I have a feeling that there's going to be a transition that takes place in which her cover's blown. People know what she's up to. The rebellion's now a thing. They know that she's involved, right? I think, I think yeah, we're going to see that sense. transition. Why would she stay undercover if the majority of rebels know that she's involved? Because then board's going to get out. Yeah. Someone could leak somewhere. it or something. Yeah. I feel like, uh, yeah, the first time that she, exited the senate was was it before that episode in rebels where they had to kind of uh not abduct her but they had to rescue her from a mission after those news reports of her uh saying words against the empire so that makes me lead to believe that we might not see her exit the senate during this season um or perhaps maybe a next the next season might take us right up to just before that point mm -hmm. where we see the speech she might give against the empire um which right. then makes me think does someone actually does does it leak, or does she announce to everyone like, that she's against the regime, and then that puts pressure on Palpatine to mm -hmm. get rid of her, yeah, and not yeah. just remove her seat from the Senate, but to uh, get rid of her? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Um, yeah, so she's pretty angry that Luthan arranged this heist behind her back because um, to fund the rebellion because um, she seems very hesitant to go and just make open war with the Empire. And Luthen just kind of straight up says, like, you knew where this was going. You know, like she she kind of I don't think she wants to believe that they're at the cusp of now having to do this because she's been in. the I don't want to say a comfortable position, but she hasn't. She's been wearing this mask so long is how she puts it. She's been wearing this mask so long, pretending to be the good, happy Senator Mon Mothma with her little irritations. Um, she's pretending to be that for so long. She's been uh, 15 years, you know, she's been acting and that's a long time for someone to just be in their role. She's been sucked in a little bit. Um, and I think Luthen is just kind of like, brutal. yeah, he's kind you, of poking you her. You know who you are anymore as a person. I feel like you just become one with the mask. Right. <laughs> well, I think that's, that's kind of, I mean, she still believes, she still very much like believes in her rebellion, but I think 
she doesn't quite realize this is a rebellion. Like, like at some point we got to step out of the shadows. Right. And she's just kind of still in this, in this cloak with the hood up kind of pretending to be someone she's not and, and, and not really snapping out of it going like, okay, no, we have to do something now. Otherwise uh, it'll be too late. And that's, that's kind of how Luther is putting it. Yeah. I feel like in the gift store when they were having that conversation and, and she was quite like getting quite emotional and, and tearing up. I feel like that's because she feels that she's probably at the most risk compared to anybody mm-hmm. um, in the, uh, 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 in the whole, maybe in the whole galaxy, or at least from what we've seen in the show, the characters we've seen in the show, just because she has the most connections and she's built up her career right up until this point. And there probably would be some very significant consequences if uh, her colleagues and peers and obviously Palpatine found out compared to a general prisoner or, or civilian. And yeah. she'd be made an example of for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. big time. Yeah, big time. Yeah. I love the line that Luthen says, uh, we can't hide forever. I was like, yeah, that, that's so true. I mean, like, what, what what kind of rebellion is this if you're just hiding in the shadows, you know? <laughs> like, I mean. Yeah. Again, yeah. You'll, you'll never make any real progress, right? Because the Empire right. is so big. If you just keep doing small guerrilla warfare, just kind of like scratching mm-hmm. them, like they're so big, it's not, it's, it's never going to work. You need to yeah. get something that's at least, at least on a decent level of, of playing field. Right? Well, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and like I said earlier, like this is the catalyst. I mean, um, I mean, it, you can, you can compare it to the hunger games, right? Like Katniss Everdeen is the catalyst that gets the rebellion moving against the, um, forget what it's called, you know, uh, you know, the government in place. Right. And, uh, and, and this heist has acted as a catalyst as well, because even Andor's mom, Marva is, is inspired by this heist. And, you know, I think we'll get to that in a moment, but she, she wishes to kind of, she doesn't want to run. She wants to stay and fight and do what she can to kind of assist in the rebellion. Right. So, um, yeah. Um, I, I don't know if a lot of people caught this or not, but uh, we have a scene with Clea kind of getting off a, a tram uh, in Coruscant and the sign above the door says, uh, please mind the gap, doors are closing. And anyone who's been to London <laughs> will be very familiar with the uh, mind the gap uh, slogan that they have uh, for all the trains, you know, the doors closing. Uh, I thought that was kind of a, nice, a neat little Easter egg. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting because uh, I think uh, earlier in the, in the show, they actually shot some scenes directly. I can't remember where it was. I think it was a museum in Germany or maybe it was in, in England and it was like a train station like they did in Rogue One. They just kind of changed the environment a little bit. But I remember right. I saw a photo somewhere where they put the two things side by side. I was like, oh, that's actually a real location. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool. I mean- there's lots of cool architecture. Might may as well use it. Yeah. It's modified a bit. Yeah, and Coruscant. Yeah, and Coruscant really reminds me of like that. Like I think it's like, like brutalism or something they call it. Like that architecture style. It makes me. Yeah. I, I mean, before when I was watching the prequels, I wanted to live in Coruscant. Now seeing the yeah. now seeing the depth and below, I don't think I really want to live there unless I'm like super rich and I got lots of credits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The top floor of the top level of Coruscant. They've done some cool shots over Coruscant, though. It almost feels like at times you're watching like a New York cop drama, like like on television, because it'll have they'll do the camera pan around the skyscraper, and it looks like the uh, like the Chrysler Building. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's some really cool shots. I love seeing other parts of Coruscant now. You know, not focused on the Jedi Temple or Padme's apartment. You know, it's kind of nice to, 
or the Senate building, right? Like, I feel like we only really got a whole lot more Coruscant in Clone Wars and in Attack of the Clones with the speeder chase, and that's been it so far. I mean, we haven't really had a whole lot. So it's, it is cool to see. It's such a big city planet. I mean, like, you get so many different environments in a city planet. I mean, you know, even even in one city alone, you get different areas. You know, that you got your vintage kind of areas that are a bit older you got your chinatowns you know there's just different neighborhoods in a city right so imagine a whole planet with a city on it with so many hundreds of levels i mean you know you there's so much uh so much room to kind of be creative in that uh so it's really cool to see uh, a lot more of the planet um dedra finally breaks some rules uh, to get her information the the information that she wanted uh, last week or, or two weeks ago in the episode uh, the data center that she walks into to ask the uh, Imperial, uh, I, I forget his rank, uh, the guy that was at the desk, um, the the window behind him, uh, there was a, a data bank in there, which was very similar to the data bank that we see in Rogue One, uh, which is the one that Andor and Jin break into to steal the the Stardust um, hard, hard disk out of the, the tray. So I thought that was actually very, uh, very cool, very consistent with uh, just imperial architecture. You know how <laughs> how technology works in that world. Uh, I thought that was a really nice little little Easter egg that they put in there. Um, Clea talks to Vel. She looks completely different, uh, all spruced up in yeah. the core life disguise. Yeah. I didn't even know it was her at first. <laughs> no, I didn't Same. until. I was watching with my with my brother in law. He's like, "Oh, it's that girl." I'm like, "Who?" And I still was looking at her because yeah. I couldn't place who she was because her hair just looks so different. Well, she's wearing makeup like, and she's not in like these, you know, Scottish kind of, yeah, the, you know, Nerf the, herder yeah. robes or yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah, she she went like mountaineering gear. Yeah. Yeah, she went. She changed costume, and I also didn't realize who the 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 girl was on the right as well in the in the red coat. Was that the the assistant from the yeah, artifacts? Luthen's yeah, Luthen's right. assistant. Yeah, Claire. Oh, yeah. see, I didn't recognize her at all. That's her name's Claire. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, um, yeah. So she surprisingly enough puts a hit on Cassian, and says that we have to tie up loose ends. And, uh, you know, and it, what's, what I thought was kind of, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if it's just bad acting or just maybe the moment was just kind of, I don't know, maybe she's just got a good poker face. But when she says that, she doesn't even blink when she mentions his name at first. And then she says, you know him as Clem. And she still didn't respond. And I was like, what is going on <laughs> yeah. here? Like, it's like, all right, yeah, we need to put a hit out on Cassie and or you know him as Clem. All- and the entire time she says it, she's just kind of like, <laughs> just like blank response of like where's the surprise like you know this guy you know is clem the entire time you know it's revealed that like it's almost like she wasn't surprised at all that she's actually he's actually got a different name she was like she didn't re- react well enough to share that either yeah <laughs> yeah uh, did you guys catch that i mean I, maybe it's just me but like i thought it was a little odd <laughs> It kind of reminded me, I don't know if you've seen like those generic like uh, dramas, like suits where like two people meet up and they have a chat for five seconds and then they walk off. It's like they spent like an hour traveling there just to have a quick conversation. And oh, they just yeah, walk yeah, off, yeah. And they walk off dramatically. Oh, yeah. I thought, yeah, like I agree with you. Like she's been given all this information. Like, by the way, his name's not Clem. It's Cassian and I need you to kill him. It's like, would you think that they would be slightly more of a reaction than just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, especially after Clem, if we want to call him that, um, 
pretty much saves her life by killing the dude who is going to kill them all and steal the money. And additional to that, he's actually honest about it. He takes his cotton leaves. Like, you know, he doesn't, doesn't try to swindle her or anything. It's like, she's the last one on that team and he holds her at gunpoint. He could take the money and run, but he doesn't like he's, you know, he's an honest guy and takes his cut and leaves. Right. And so like, there's no reaction from her at all that, that, mm. that is like, Oh crap. Like, why do I have to kill him? Like <laughs> he was a good guy. I mean, uh, I don't know. I just, he's a, he's a nice, honest guy. He's done yeah. nothing wrong. Yeah. He hasn't yeah, yeah, killed exactly. two people around. It's like if it weren't for I him, actually, like this whole thing would still, would, would have not gone down. Right. <laughs> I feel like maybe part of it was that scene was shot weird. Like it didn't, something seemed off to me, that whole conversation. I wondered to me, I was wondering if maybe it was like the set was very tiny or something. And it was maybe it was so tight to the panels. Like I wasn't quite sure. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't but know. So, I don't know. So, something about that whole conversation between the two of them just seemed strange. Just a little awkward. I thought it yeah. wasn't, I felt like it wasn't framed correctly in camera. So it could have been that as well. Yeah. It, yeah it's I'll, just the whole I'll, thing was just a little awkward. Yeah. It was a bit rushed, I feel. I mean, yeah. the one thing I just remembered after watching that scene was that, correct me if I'm wrong, but did the name Clem come from because Cassian's dad was yes. called Clem? Yeah, Cl- Cassian's is dad right? was Clem. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, because I was wondering uh, why that name just because uh, just came about. But, like, it, it makes it kind of makes sense now um, after we saw those flashbacks uh, a bit later going mm-hmm. forward. Yeah, actually, uh, so this was the the first was the this was the episode that we finally kind of got a little more context for uh, for the flashbacks, you know, with his father, his death, and everything like that, uh, which was kind of interesting. And I did I did have uh, I did have a few notes to bring up in just in just a moment about that. Um, I want to talk a moment about this party, uh, Mon Mothma's party, her conversation with her old Chandrilla friend. Uh, his name is Tay Colma, who is a he's a banker on Chandrila. I guess he's a he's a high class banker. He probably runs a bank um, because uh, she wants to trust this old friend of hers to deal with her family finances. And she mentions only three people in the galaxy know what she's willing to reveal to this guy. Uh, I'm assuming that third person is Bail um, because the two that I'm assuming she's referring to is Luthen and herself. And Bale, I would imagine, would be the third one because he's kind of been that third one for forever. Because um, they, I think there's uh, Clone Wars episodes where you see them together. Is that right? Yeah, there's there's Clone Wars episode. There was a whole subplot with with in in Revenge of the Sith mm-hmm. as well with Bale, Mon Mothma, Padme. You know the three the the, yeah. the kind of pillars and the anchors of of the rebellion. Uh, so I I always thought that that Bale was from from a very early point being the guy who saves Yoda and Obi-Wan's necks when the purge happens, you know, I always figured like, yeah, from day one, he's just kind of been one of the founding fathers of, of the rebellion. Right. Um, and because Obi-Wan took place prior to this show by five years uh, worth of time, uh, you know, he's, he's easily involved uh, with, at that point as well. So uh, yeah, I think it's safe to say that, that those are the three people he, she's talking about uh, in this, in this moment. And, um, and the, the way that she tells well, surprisingly, him, surprisingly, it's worth also mentioning with this conversation that yeah. her husband doesn't know. She seems like yeah. she's closed off him like, quite a lot. Yeah, yeah she, their relationship is so strange. Like, I don't know yeah. what, why they're still together. It's just uh, I think really she's weird. using him just as cover. Uh, yeah, I it seems it seems that way to me. Um, the the way 
the way that she tells this guy that the Mon people know is a lie, I thought to myself, like, damn, like, <laughs> that's like, that was some awesome dialogue. This has got to be my favorite moment in the entire episode. Like this entire like conversation that she had, insane acting. I was just like, I thought the performance that they delivered was, was, was top notch. Um, and then uh, the fact, the way that they kind of look around at everyone at the party as if they're going to rat them out. You know, I was like, wait, even uh, her husband. It was so good. Husband, it was so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, top. I love. I loved how she was like telling him this information. He's like just trying to process it. Yeah. And she's like, smile, smile. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Keep up appearances. Keep yeah. smiling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was smile. like, wow. Like that's. She's just under pressure all the time. Like it just kind of gives you like an inside look. It just like every day, even at home with her husband, it's a lie. All of it, right? I mean, I don't know how old her daughter is, but I mean, she's been doing this for fifteen years. So like, like her, her own daughter might not even know who her Probably real not. mom is. Right. Which is yeah. crazy. No, I don't think so because kids, I don't think they're able to keep secrets very well. So no. they, she probably doesn't know at all. Yeah. And she had if, a, the husband doesn't know the kids. don't. Mm, and she had a pretty good indirect teacher. Didn't she say that I learned from, yeah. from Palpatine she or says, something? Yeah. Like, she learned like, firsthand from Palpatine. That, uh, yeah. That was another thing. I was like, cool, man. Like, she recognizes that Palpatine is was a liar the entire time he was in power, right? Like she knows that. And and uh, uh, what I thought was fascinating about what she said there was maybe how others might perceive what she says, because some people really love Palpatine, right? Like I mean, again, this is the guy that people elected to have in power for so long, um, mm-hmm. and so some people are like huge advocates of the guy and, you know, might believe the lies he says about how the Jedi tried to assassinate him. Um, but you know, in a way that she kind of like presents that as part of her sly wording in terms of trying to figure out if she can trust him or not. I thought that was brilliant because like, you know, most people might not catch on to presenting those findings as fact right? Like most people might be like, wait, what? Like, like you learn from Palpatine? What do you mean? What are you talking about? Like the guy was, you know, he's, he's a good guy kind of thing, right? Like that's how most of those people in that room would probably respond. So the fact that the conversation just keeps rolling is just further evidence that she can trust this guy. Yeah. Yeah. That was what I was asking myself. I was like, does, does she really trust him? Like, obviously she's introducing the idea that she's uh, not exactly what people think uh, she is, but I, I got a bit of a interesting feeling that she was almost kind of testing the waters to see his reaction as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. His, his reaction yeah, no, was definitely I agree with key. That. Yeah. It's, it's funny how she was seeking out to have him more or less have the opposite opinion of, of what people think of herself and he that's what he says right like you wouldn't agree with anything political that i have to say Mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah. but that quote which is like the stone in the hand and i actually have the knife at your throat all this oh i can't remember what it was but i think that's what you're probably referring to before when when she uh mm-hmm. when she said that that misdirection um, yeah her irritations uh when she's describing her her activity for uh for the rebellion except she calls them irritations they they all have kind mm-hmm. of a disguised mask about them like you know her funds that she kind of transfers around and stuff is you know intended for outreach programs and like this and that and it's 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 kind of like disguised as something that maybe people within the empire might not just 
they might look into and go like, oh, well, okay, well, we, we should look into this. But then it's like, okay, yeah, well, on the surface, you know, it looks good. Okay, you know, move along kind of thing. Um, and, you know, I think like that's the way that she describes it to her friend Tay is like, yeah, all, the, all this stuff that I've been doing, like there, there are irritations and I'm being watched. But I, yeah, now now is the point in which like, okay, yeah, her money's locked down. She needs help. Like if she goes for her family, her family fortunes, uh, which she needs to help fund the rebellion, uh, she's she's going to be in deep trouble. So, you know, that's why she needs this guy. She wants him to smuggle out her money mm-hmm. so that no, that no one notices. Uh, yeah. The, what she's doing, you know. So, yeah, it's, yeah. it's totally the misdirection, I think, is what is what that um, uh, that analogy she was using with the stone and the and the knife. Yeah. And was this the dinner party that that she was referring to in episode two or three? Um, where the, or maybe it was episode four, I can't remember, but she mentioned that Sly Moore would be attending and she wasn't happy with the seating plan. Or, or was that like, a, did they just gloss over like that happened in the past when, when it occurred? Or, or was this the I party? I think that was a dinner because it sounded yeah. like they were going to be seated at the table, whereas this party was across their whole apartment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's yeah. my guess anyway. That, that was my guess too. I think this is like, a, I think that we kind of skipped over that and it was just sort of one of those hints that, her husband's not involved with her daily plans uh, or the rebellion because uh, I remember us speculating on that kind of when we, when we heard that being said. So um, yeah. uh, Yeah. I think, I think this is like a different kind of event. Um, There's a, yeah, there was a small part of me that for some reason when I was watching it, I thought she was going to turn around and accidentally bump into Palpatine and he was going to be holding like a cocktail glass (laughs) or something like that. It's like, Oh, sorry. This is awkward now. He's just like fully robed with a cloak on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's the ice? <laughs> yeah, I, I he's think like trying uh, to, he's like tracking down a, a waiter who's got like a, a dish full of entrees. Yeah, <laughs> I I feel like that would have been like Senator Palpatine, like you know pre uh, Mace Windu face disfigurement. But I feel like now he probably just hides in his own office and he doesn't go out anymore. Yeah. Meanwhile, like the, the drink butler off the side, I got uh, order 66 is ready. Oh, that would be mine. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, I loved how the conversation, yeah, I loved how the conversation between uh, her and uh, Tay kind of finishes when parent comes over. She like really hastily kind of says, my husband doesn't know anything about this. Like this is between you and me kind of thing. And she gets up and she's like, yeah, keep smiling. And then she gets up and she leaves. She's like, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> conversation. Yeah. To be continued kind of thing. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like that is so much for one guy to process. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Um, we have a, we have a sequence in which Andor speaks to Bix and we conclude that she doesn't know how Luthen knows Andor so well, which leaves a lot of questions for later. And, uh, she doesn't look very well at all. Uh, she's obviously grieving over Tim and, uh, she says, uh, because of the empire in town, people blame Andor for, for what happened and that anyone could turn him in because, uh, they're all pretty ticked off that, uh, the corporate authorities kind of, kind of been, shoved out of town in favor of imperial security instead uh, due to the nature of the rebellious activity that that went down. So um, I thought that was all very interesting as well. I mean, uh, as as we all know, like the empire is just kind of slowly spreading like a cancer across the galaxy. And, um, you know, it's just kind of interesting to see the evolution of these different sectors of authority and whatever else, you know, local security. And it's all kind of being replaced 
with Imperials. And, you know, that spreads all the way to Tatooine, in which, you know, that was a hut world. I mean, Jabba's still alive and somehow there's still stormtroopers running around, right? So, uh, yeah, it's all very, very interesting. It's all kind of coming together. Uh, yeah, and that in combination, like when he had that chat with his uh, uh, with his mum when they we went back to the house, and I saw similarities between that scene and and Saul Guerrero in Rogue One, where he kind of was like, "I'm not running anymore, and I want to stay mm-hmm. stay put." It just I think shows how some of the older characters throughout the show are just so sick of they can see the the empire spreading, and mm-hmm. and they just they don't want to run anymore, mainly because they're tired obviously, mm-hmm. but also because they want to kind of stand up and show they can live and continue their life um, uh, whilst they're being around, which I think was really quite sad, to be honest. But even though, you know, it's uh, Andor is hope, we know how the story kind of ends, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, it was an interesting kind of perspective on on how those characters feel about the whole situation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, uh, you know, just to just to talk about Marva for a second, like you said, Andor's mom, she's, she's reluctant to run and hide and, and, uh, you know, her dying wish, the rebellion is something she believes in and her dying wish is to kind of fight with that purpose in mind. And the wreck, the reckoning that she saw earlier in the series with the town kind of shutting down when the corporate authority came in and, um, and now the Imperials are setting up shop and, and, uh, you know, she's, she she looks at the heist that just went down, not knowing his involvement, of course, and and he doesn't say anything about it. But she's inspired by that, and she says, like, look what people are doing to stand against the empire. Like, what can I do to help? Kind of thing. Like, sign me up. You know, she's like, I'm not running anymore. You know, she's been fighting so long, and we we when we see Cassian Andor in Rogue One, and he says, I've been in this fight since I was like six years old, or whatever he says, right. And uh, we don't really know the full nature of that story, but in the flashback moment that we have, Clem, who's mistaken for a uh, uh, one of the guys who threw a stone at the clone troopers, um, I would imagine it's probably close to the end of the war at this point. The Republic is kind of getting a better hold on the galaxy, and they kind of come in, you know, like they do, and uh, neutral world or separatist world, whatever Ferrix was before, it doesn't really matter. All we need to know is the people don't like the Republic showing up, right? And they're mm. pretty against that. And, uh, you know, much like the Twi'leks, they had resistance there. But this this town, you know, someone threw a rock at a stormtrooper. They're, they're pretty angry about it. So um, they, they turn around, they hold Clem at gunpoint. And, you know, the next thing we know is he's hanging from a rope. And uh, whether that was the Republic kind of shocking to believe or, or whether that was at the turn of the Empire, who the heck knows at this point? Maybe we'll get answers to that later. But um, all we know is they've been fighting since the Clone Wars. You know, they've been, they've been in this fight since the days that clone troopers and droids are running around, tearing the galaxy apart. They're just trying to survive and they had a planet that was taken from them right and then traded hands off to corporate authority they didn't like that either and now the empire's back and you know it sucks right and so it's been going on for so long and marva's witnessed all of it and and so that's why i think she's like no i'm not i'm not running anymore like i'm not i'm not i'm not going to hide like this is it you know i'm i'm, I'm gonna stand walk through that courtyard where, where clem hung from a rope and i was able to do so 
knowing I'm also going to spit in the Empire's face. So, you know, I loved how, like, her attitude was just so, like, you know, like, let's just do this. Let's put on the gloves or take them off, <laughs> however you want to put it. Um, yeah. yeah she, she seemed like she was tired of running and hiding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and it, what I also really thought was kind of interesting about what added a little bit of drama to the mix is uh, she kind of knows that Andor is not a believer like in the rebellion. And she kind of, she says that to him. She says like, I know that your place isn't here. Like, I know that your, your place isn't with, with me, like doing what I want to do, you know, in terms of fighting the empire and stuff. Of course, not even knowing that he was actually responsible for pulling off this whole heist in the first place. Um, but I feel like if, if that was revealed to her, then it would be like, wow, you're a hero and, you know, sign me up kind of thing. But um, yeah, this is just, it's added a whole lot more mm -hmm. complexity to, her motives as a rebel, for sure. Yeah, it was inter interesting you mentioned that because I, when she said that, I kind of disagreed with her. Not obviously um, uh, because like I saw him do the Aldani chase, but then I kind of agreed because obviously after the whole heist happened, he just grabbed his money and took off to Miami pretty much or the Star Wars version yeah. of Miami. <laughs> yeah. And uh, otherwise, like if he did really care, like and which is what I thought, I thought he did really care. But um, he didn't. <laughs> he just took his or the money or the share that he had and, and, and he kind of ran off. So obviously we're not seeing the and or that we know that to see, obviously, or that we saw in Rogue One. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think we may yeah. have seen the reason to why he's now super bitter against the Empire, though. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's think, no way he's spending six years. I mean, it was a time jump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two, Actually, uh, did you guys notice that uh, the planet was called Niamos? It's a new new planet. Uh, like you said, Kirk, the very Miami looking beach, Long Beach looking area. Um, it, it looked as if a time jump had happened because he goes by the, a fake name, uh, Keith, uh, Keith Gergo. And he's got a girl, he's got a place, he's got a place where he stores all his secret stuff. And it's like, it's like, it okay, yeah, off. he's been there for weeks, probably maybe months. Yeah. So yeah, I, I know we had like a lot of action in the last episode, but my goodness, from when he landed in that or when that scene cut to the new planet to him getting arrested and put away, it went zero to 60 in like a so minute fast. or two. Yeah. 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 yeah that was, uh, yeah, because that time jump threw me off. Because at, at first I'm like, "Oh, who's this? Like, who's this, this girl who's here?" And then see, it's him. Like, and the it just it seemed very unexplained to me. It was just, bam, this is happening now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I um, I thought it was interesting that he is is negatively affected by the empire in in kind of a sentencing way, kind of similar to his dad, because his dad didn't throw that rock but he hung for it. You know, when he kind of shoved that stoner out of the way going like, don't you'll only make a worse. And that's when the clone troopers turn around, they point it, And then, you know, they're like, hold him at gunpoint. He's kind of frozen there. You know, they just infer, Oh, that's the guy who threw the rock. Right. Um, and he, he died for it. Right. So I thought it was kind of interesting that Andor, like his father, just wrong place, wrong time, man, you know? Mm. Like, and then he just, yeah, the empire comes in and, six years there you go <laughs> that was that was awful I, I was like wow yeah um i couldn't believe that 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 happened but then uh because like i was like oh if when he goes to the sentencing case i would have explained it but like he, he tried to in just six years and then she's yeah. like go speak to palpatine about that i think palpatine's had more name drops in this episode than <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 
Yeah, he totally has. Yeah. More here, makes more here. The Empire Strikes Back. In, in on the one hand, I'm like, ah, oh, why does he have to be name dropped so much? But on the other hand, I'm like, you know what? This is actually kind of believable. Like, I mean, like everyone knows who their political leader is. Like, why shouldn't he be name dropped by just the average citizen, right? Like, it actually yeah. kind of makes sense. Yeah. Like, yeah. How often do people hear the term like Biden or Trump? Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like true. You know, someone in Timbuktu like knows who that is, right? So. I mean, you know, someone in 10 back two may have voted for someone like one of those options. So, yeah, I mean, um, I guess that, that that brings up the complaint that some people had for Kenobi being that how did Kenobi not know that Vader was still alive at that time? Because people were like, oh, surely like throughout the ranks and people talking and Star Wars, just like word of mouth, like yeah. it would have been it would have gone around that Darth Vader was some imposing figure in the Empire. But I feel like that it still is a high chance that people wouldn't have known because obviously everyone knew Palpatine as a figure in politics beforehand, mm-hmm. just like a political figure in the real world. So obviously Palpatine would be would be out there. But I don't know. Does that beg the question that people should really have known about Vader back then? Maybe he didn't have a big Instagram following or something. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like people are aware that the Inquisitors exist because in Kenobi, which is five years earlier, you know, we see how people react when they show up on Tatooine. So, right. you know, people people do know that there's enforcers out there, you know, ridding the galaxy of Jedi you know, the average schmuck knows what they do because at the, the from the first episode that they kind of touch down on Tatooine, they, they interrogate the bartender about themselves. And they're like, you know, do you know who we are? Do you know what we do? And the guy's like, yeah, you're Inquisitors, you hunt Jedi. So like the average person knows what an Inquisitor is. I think the average person might look at Vader and kind of infer them as such or as their leader. But I don't mm. think they know quite what he is really i don't think they know that he's a sith lord right like much yeah of, they definitely don't yeah. know that no but i think yeah they just see him as the imperial enforcer or just assume he's another inquisitor yeah because that, that's probably the right call yeah yeah to a lot of people all of the jedi stuff is kind of beyond their level of comprehension because dooku is very mis- very often mistaken for a Jedi with a right, uh, red lightsaber, right? Uh, very similar to yeah. Maul. In the Clone Wars, Maul and Savage Press had a moment like that too where some random pirate was like, oh yeah, these red-bladed Jedi came around swinging, you know, killing everybody or whatever the, the guy says. And mm. it's like, oh yeah. And then Kenobi is like, yeah, those weren't Jedi. <laughs> uh, those were Sith. And then he's like, where, where are they? Um, but yeah, I think, I think the average person just doesn't really know the terminology and this whole mystic well, war going so on. Obscure. Yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly. Only the Jedi know about the Sith, right? Cause they've right. been gone for thousands of years. So well, and as people, got lightsabers as Jedi. and as people who invest themselves in that knowledge too, like, like that's when episode seven introduced us to the church of the force, which was like that, that organization that Lor Sentek is a part of, um, you know, I thought that was kind of interesting because I was like, yeah, okay. I guess there would be groups of people out there who are like, yeah, I don't want to call them fanboys, but like, you know, they're, they're, you know, believers that the Jedi are making a difference out there, right? So, uh, whereas most people would just either look at them as as weapons of the Senate or or 
you know, these peacekeepers that sit around on couches and do nothing all day because their every average every day is unaffected, right? Uh, and some of them might even look at them as, oh, yeah, there are those laser-wielding generals that led the clone armies and, and caused all this M- imperial stuff and tried to assassinate our political leader, right? So a yeah, lot of people so might true. not actually be very fond of the Jedi in the first place. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of, you know, once you start to like kind of take in taking yourself out of like the average, like, you know, viewership of these stories and just kind of put yourself in the shoes of like an average everyday citizen. There's actually a lot of stuff that they're just unaware of. Um, they wouldn't know. No. I think the perfect example of that, and this might be a bit of a stretch, but it's in Fallen Order when Carl is like speaking to Meryn on, on Dathomir and she's like, oh, this Jedi came through and killed my whole family, which I think was supposed to be a Sith that actually went through. But she just looked at someone with a lightsaber and labeled them as a as a Jedi. I don't know exactly right. if it was made clear who that was, um, whether or not it was like General Grievous or something. Because I think she mentioned that it was someone with four lightsabers. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Who, but who long was this? Story, Cle- uh, this was Mer- Meren, like the the leader of like the oh. Dathomirian, like the the Night Sisters. Yeah, on uh, yeah. on uh, yeah, so she said to Cal's like, "I don't trust you, Jedi." Even though she, he was tr- trying to tell yeah. her that she was a Jedi, and because she was explaining that someone th- came through with a lightsaber and wiped out all of her. Yeah, um, you're her talking about the the Fallen Order moment. Yeah, yeah, she was talking about Grievous, that, that Clone Wars arc where Grievous shows up on Dathomir and just wipes out the Night Sisters. That's um, right, that's right. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, so yeah, that's a great, a great reference. Yeah, even the Night Sisters, you know, like, so it's the average Night Sister doesn't even know the difference between, you know, a Jedi and a Sith and a dude with four blades, <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. a good yeah. point. Yeah, they would, they would be in the know, you would think. Yeah, you'd think. Yeah. yeah, you'd think for sure. But no, I guess a bunch of witches hiding in a cave, just you know, they're yeah. they're kind of outside that political kind of lens, right? So they just they don't they don't know who does what. Um, I guess it's just so easy for us as an audience to think that every character knows everything. And that's why I'm just like mm-hmm. Landor's great, because it really shows us the people that are just a part of the the, yeah. the galaxy and, and aren't a part of that Star Wars royal family, I guess you could call it. I mean, like the average person that would watch Star Wars as well, like, you know, they might not fully understand the relationship that Newt Gunray and the Trade Federation, his droid armies have with the Separatist Alliance. And then there's like the regular Nemordians and the Trade Federation. I mean, like Blake, you and I just read that book, Brotherhood, and it kind of got more into the politics of like the actual business of like Nemoidia and like the people aren't actually politically attached or aligned with what new gunray stands for and yet they both have battle droids and you know there's like there's all this like confusion going on so yeah i mean like this guy shows up with four lightsabers wipes out the night sisters he's got an army of battle droids like you know for all they know like it could be a jedi showing up with you know some droid army that they've bought from the trade federation like you just don't know right and there's a lot of people in the galaxy that just don't know the average the average biz, you know, that's I mean, going on. You can also so. just look at our world, right? Like there's so many people that just don't know very common things. Like someone who grows up in the city might not know about agriculture right. on like a basic level. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know a thing about mo- if moisture. If you about farm, Earth, <laughs> then uh, it would feel like that too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... 
Dedra's justified swift counter move at the ISB meeting, and um, she's uh, she's able to control over that whole debate that was going on with the sectors and and everything. Did you guys find any of that like pretty pretty enlightening? They're working like directly with how the political system is, so that they can sneak between the line, like the cracks and stuff. Yeah, I, I thought that was super interesting. I thought I thought the uh, the fact that that the ISB system of you take this sector, we'll take I'll take this sector, all that stuff, like the way that they do that and then how they kind of hog all their own information going like, oh, no, that's my sector. Yeah. Like, you don't you don't get to yeah. get my information. That's my work. Right. Like they all kind of golem no, around their own. No yeah, there's no teamwork going on. And like, <laughs> you know, they're all like, ah, my precious, you know, like I don't want to share with you kind of thing. And, you know, but that's the Empire's yeah. weakness because, uh, is like everyone's yeah, power wanna... hungry. Right. Everyone's like in it for their yeah, own job. Exactly. And none of them care actually about like what the bigger picture is. And Dead was the only one going like if we just like shared information, we might not be in this position in the first place. So. And that, um, and that comp- that competition was like really solidified when he when he escorted her out, not escorted her out, but when they walked off. And then she was like, "I want to I want to have a word with you." And then all he says is, "Watch your back." So yeah, like, that's a really yeah. good corporate culture pep talk. It's like oh, yeah. other employees are going to come and come for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, almost yeah, like exactly. giving her well like done. permission. Yeah, almost like giving her permission, but also saying like, "Just be ready. People are going to come for you." <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> Uh, I, I like that a lot too. Yeah. Uh, and the last thing, the last thing that I kind of like wrote down here is, uh, Cyril, uh, working in his cubicle, he gets a job at, uh, I, I forget the, the, I don't think it matters really what he's doing in that cubicle or what position is like some, something to do with gas, something or another. Um, I thought it was interesting that the episode ended off with him in this cubicle in a room full of cubicles, just like his kind of doing a day-to-day job that just what's what's your guys is like um what do you take away from from that and you know why why do you think like it it ended off on that note i mean we can start with you blake hmm. well to me well i got matrix vibes from it first of all but um yeah. it's very oh, it's, it's, it's one, very yeah. it's reading very much as a like cog in the machine in mm-hmm. that um, yeah, you're just you're just a, a small number. Like you are, you're kind of irrelevant. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely felt that as well. My my biggest takeaway from it, at least, was just the way that that last part was edited. So Cassian got put into jail, and then it yeah. cut to Cyril. I was like, Cyril still has Andor on his mind. I I felt like it hinted to the fact that based on Cyril's position now. He, he might come across this new employee, this new prisoner going in. I, I don't know, but I felt like there's going to be some oh. connection between Cyril and Andor mm-hmm. and, and Cyril will come across some type of data in his new, in his new job that would indicate Andor being processed. Yeah. I'm not sure, but that's at least how I felt it was edited to end off. But like, I, I absolutely agree. It really felt like he took a big step down from his previous role. He got fired and now he's just put in amongst thousands of other people in what looks like the absolute worst working environment. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I don't think one we're going to see him in that position too long. So. One thing interesting, though, was when he was walking along the catwalk there before uh, the guy offered him the job. He's the guy because I guess his friends with his uncle said that they were going to... Er- erase 
his like uh his like the thing is screwed up right so he's gonna have a clean slate yeah yeah. his permanent permanent record is gonna be fixed up yeah right yeah that's that's a great point yeah so they're gonna they're gonna expunge his uh his his i guess his uh i don't know his his petty infringements for his petty incompetence or whatever they they, whatever exists right it's not really a crime but he i mean he got canned so you know something i guess maybe that's uh because we keep thinking he's gonna join the isb and they probably wouldn't have if that was on his record so maybe now it is a possibility yeah yeah for sure i think no i I think yeah kirk i think i think you're onto something in the fact that like you know he's gonna come cross face to face with some information maybe on someone else's desk who knows and i think him and dedra are kind of bound to chat at some point so we're we'll, gonna say some imperial office warfare oh yeah that's yes, right some, <laughs> the office yeah cue the office theme song <laughs> get the <laughs> dedra uh, all right guys thanks so much for coming on the show again and uh any last things to say five more episodes bring it on yeah, five more episodes yeah yeah there's gonna be at least four of them are gonna be just life in prison <laughs> doing like a wor- workout routine and they got they gotta watch tv for a few hours and it gets buffed yeah, yeah <laughs> that's yeah. where he gets ripped gets buffed. i Maybe, think uh, i think luthan's gonna break him out someone on the inside i think i think, think luthan's gonna break him but, out or something but oh i forgot to ask when we're talking about it was luthan did Luthen tell his secretary or whatever the the lady that works with him? Did he tell her to kill Cassian, or was that her decision on her I own? I think that's her own decision. That's yeah. her own. She's going rogue. Yeah. She's going rogue. We'll find okay. out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know because. Yeah, we'll, we'll find out. There's a lot of a lot of espionage going on. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, thanks. Thank you both for coming on, and we'll catch you in the next one. See you out there. See you then. Keep flying. All right. And to all our listeners at home, in the car, wherever you are, thank you for tuning in to Star Wars Escape Pod. Make sure you catch our next after show review next week and stay tuned for Tales of the Jedi. We're going to hit that as well at some point in the very near future. Uh, big thank you to our co-host Blake for coming on and our good friend Kirk for joining and uh, everyone else who's come on a weekly basis, our friends Darian and, uh, and Ben and Ellen. I mean, uh, it's always great to chat Star Wars with friends and family. So we'll catch you in the next episode of Star Wars Escape Pod. May the Force be with you.